welcome to Postscript, the American Society for Pharmacy Laws podcast. My name is Henry Hine, and I'll be your host today. The American Society for Pharmacy Law, ASPL, has an annual conference in the fall entitled Developments in Pharmacy Law. At the conference, we focus on presentations concerning the latest and most important developments in pharmacy law each and every year. This year, we have over two dozen speakers. The conference this year is being held November 3rd through 6th in Naples, Florida. Attendees can receive up to 15 hours of CE in pharmacy or 15 hours in law, or if you happen to be lucky enough or unlucky enough to have both pharmacy and law in your background, you get 15 hours in both. Registration for the conference is available at ASPL.org. At this time, we're doing uh, podcasts concerning some of our speakers. Our goals in having our conference speakers come and speak is to give a little background to their to how they got to where they are, and their history in the professions, because as a speaker, you quite often don't know more about the background of the person. The other goal in, in having the speaker come is to get a little tidbit, a little bit lead in on what they're going to present. Today, we are honored to have as our guest, Patrick Carpenter. Regional Director of Operations and a Diplomat Candidate at ASPL with Options Care Health. Thank you for joining us, Patrick. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> We're good. So I'd, I'd like to start with that area of sharing a little bit about yourself, um, where you are in your career, how you got there, um, highlights, whatever you feel comfortable with. Go ahead. Thanks. Henry, I'm a, I'm a pharmacist uh, by training and education. That came first. And I was always very curious and, and interested in the law. And shortly after graduating pharmacy school, I didn't find law school was accessible to me. And so I pursued a master's degree in drug regulatory affairs and health policy. And at the time, this was a sort of new thing, a handful of schools offering that degree. And we studied uh, the, the FDA regulations around new drug applications and clinical trials, and it, it just confirmed my interest in that area that I was so fascinated by that. And um, then I had an opportunity around 2011 to get more involved in the business side of pharmacy and specifically compounding pharmacy, and I found compounding pharmacy to be a fascinating intersection of science and regulation. So backing up, I did have an opportunity to look at your CV and you got a Bachelor of Science in Pharmacy in 01, 2001. Is that correct? That's correct. And and so I'm, I'm kind of amazed that the Bachelor of Science still existed at that time. Uh, I'm kind of an old guy and uh, mine is. I never got a PharmD, but I thought the Bachelor of Science was disappearing. So kind of explain that if you would. I think I may have been the last year that Albany College of Pharmacy offered the bachelor's degree or they were saying it was going to be the last year. They were definitely phasing it out. I had the option to get the PharmD. It would have been another year if I remember correctly. And I just at the time wasn't sure, as I said, what what I wanted to do. And and I, I believe that my interests lie somewhere other than clinical and so I didn't at the time see the value in the farm day. So I, I got out with the bachelor's degree 
And then, of course, subsequently in my career, I was sort of stalled because everyone then has a farm day. And I said, well, I got to pick that up, too. So I did that, I think, in 08. So, yeah, it looks like you went and, and picked up the farm D. So how much extra was that an extra year? How long did it do to the farm D? That was a two year part time program at the time. Ah, Very good. Very good. Um, and now you're in law school. Is that correct? That's correct. And what what year are you in? I'm in my second year. I'm, I'm enrolled in a part time program. I go in the evening, but uh, I'm actually going to finish in in three calendar years. I'm taking enough credits to, to be able to finish in just about a full time schedule. And what is your position now? What do you do now? I work for Home Infusion Pharmacy called Option Care Health. I'm the regional director of operations. I'm responsible for uh, our operations in five states, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Colorado, and Utah. That's a lot of responsibility. Um, what size business would you call that? Uh, it's, a, it's a nationwide large company. Uh, publicly traded company, the only independent home infusion provider, I believe, in in the nation. That's exciting. It's exciting to hear uh, where you've come from and that you're moving into the law side. And how did you come to be a presenter at our conference? Well, a year ago, I, I when I first became aware of ASPL, I saw a promotion that they were starting a diplomat program, which was a, a program for mid-career professionals uh, looking to to expand on their leadership skills. And I enrolled in the diplomat program, which involved a meeting every other month where speakers would come in and present to us and we'd have an opportunity to talk to them. It was a fascinating process. We met uh, congresswomen, met former FDA employees and, and scientists and lawyers from, from all sorts of different areas. So fascinating program and, and gave me an opportunity to meet people that I just couldn't have imagined prior that I'd have the opportunity to meet. And additionally, part of the diplomat program is preparing a a presentation uh, or working on a project, really, that you're able to choose. And then the the summation uh, of the project is presenting the summary at the annual meeting. So that so you're coming in from the diplomat side. Um, So you've had a positive experience with the diplomat program. Am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely loved it. That's great. That's great. What is the title of your pro of your presentation? It's FDA post inspection observation frequency analysis. And in in what area of the FDA inspection? Well, this is yeah, this is human drug compounding. So when the FDA uh, inspects a compounding facility, uh, it's the the post-inspection observations. It's a document called the 483 is published on the human drug compounding page of the FDA's website. And they're divided up into by category, 503A pharmacies, 503B outsourcing facilities. And I wanted to look specifically at commonalities in observations at sterile compounding pharmacies regulated under section 503A of the Food Drug and Cosmetic Act. So you went back and looked at that. How, how did you, how were you able to look at that? Well, the, the 483s published on the website indicate the name of the facility that was inspected. Sometimes the type of the facility is clear. Sometimes it's not, but you can cross-reference board of pharmacy registrations or company websites to get to the bottom of what type of facility this is. 
And once, and, and so I separated them out. You know, there's hundreds of them published on, on the website, but uh, I didn't want noise from one regulatory classification of pharmacy polluting the analysis. So I strained out just the 2021 and 2022 observations, again, of that very specific type of, of 503A regulated compounding pharmacy doing sterile compounding. Can you have an example of a, you know, that you said there's hundreds out there. Is there an example of, of like one facility that, you had to uh, distinguish from the others and not include in your data uh, versus the ones you did keep in your data? Sure. Entities that are regulated under a different section of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, Section 503B, that was that was created by the Compounding Quality Act in 2013, created, totally changed the landscape of compounding pharmacy and created these outsourcing facilities. And outsourcing facilities have to follow good manufacturing practices, much like a pharmaceutical manufacturer would. And so we can't really compare post-FDA inspection observations from that type of facility to FDA post-inspection observations of a smaller, more traditional compounding pharmacy, which is regulated under Section 503A. So did you come, you know, is there a conclusion, any trends that you find um, in your presentation? Maybe we don't want to give away the secret right now, wait for the presentation, but did you, you know, did you see trends or conclusions? I did see trends and, and I won't give it away. I'm going to be presenting. I divided up the observations into themes and uh, and then ranked them based on frequency. And to anyone, I would say that's working in 503A company pharmacy, the frequency was not necessarily a surprise. But uh, another element of the presentation was uh, looking at where where. Are, where is this industry in 2021 and 2022 compared to, say, where it was in, in 2012 or 2013 or 2014, right after the New England Compounding Center tragedy, of course, that led to the, to the passage of this new compounding law? And I would say that the industry has evolved, which is, which is a positive wow, thing. Wow, that's, that's exciting to hear. Um, my recollection is, is the 503A. So that's the area that looks like you're presenting about and you're, that you did the research. Is that correct? That's correct. I narrowed down my observations just to traditional compounding pharmacies, which are regulated under Section 503A. And is that, and again, my recollection, that would be the ones where you have to have a specific prescription for the compound? Yeah, that's correct. So you need, although some degree of anticipatory compounding is allowed, that you know, preparing it in anticipation of an incoming prescription, there can be no dispensing without a patient-specific prescription. There's no office use compounding for traditional compounding pharmacies. That is 503A. It's one of the distinguishing uh, facts between a 503A compounding pharmacy and an outsourcing facility. Sounds exciting. I look forward to your presentation. To wrap up, I'd, I'd like to uh, give you an opportunity. If, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, uh, how would somebody find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, Patrick Carpenter. You can find me there. Send me a message. Connect with me. I'd be happy to talk more to people that are interested in compounding pharmacy, in the diplomat program, uh, share questions and concerns about the implementation of the Compounding Quality Act. Um, it really would be honored to connect with membership. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today, Patrick. Um, I, I definitely look 
forward to hearing your presentation coming up this November. And I thank you so much for your time. I want to thank our listeners today listening to Postscript, the American Society for Pharmacy Laws podcast. Uh, Reminding you, we do have the fall conference coming up. It's November 3 through 6 in Naples, Florida. Um, uh, If you want to see the agenda and or register for the conference, again, you can go to ASBL.org. And this is Henry Hine, and we thank you for listening.